Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you a Bible. Um, And we have an info area where you can go and get a Bible. And so James chapter 3 is where we're going to be hanging out today. And we're in week number 3 of a series where we're studying one specific book of the Bible, and that's the book of James. And this book is a very short book in the New Testament that was written by a guy named James, who's the half-brother of Jesus. And that is all, and like the whole book is about how to practically live for God in our day-to-day lives, which by the way, is a very big deal for us at our church because we, we like to put it this way. We always want our Sundays to affect our Mondays. We don't want to go through the motions here and then walk out the exact same way. And so let me put it this way. I did not start a church and we did not move to this city just to have a religious one hour of our life. Like, I'm not interested in that. There's nothing inside of me that wants religion for one hour. I want a relationship with God that affects my every single day life. And so that's what this book is all about. It's a very practical book. And we actually have a 30-day devotional that we have online at queencitypeople.com slash James that our team worked really hard to give you some content to be able to help walk this out in our day-to-day life. But today we want to be in James chapter 3. And it starts here with verse number one, where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. By the way, that's why I take what I do so seriously, that I'll always be prepared, that I'm never just, you know, flying off, you know, like at the cuff, just whatever. No, like I put so much time and effort into this every single week because I know the weight that it carries. And then he goes on, and he says in verse 2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, meaning if we could control our words, listen to what the Bible says, we would be perfect. And if you look it up in the original language, that word perfect actually means mature. Like you'd be fully mature. And could also control ourselves in every other way. Verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. It gets really intense right here corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it, is, for it is set on fire by hell itself. That's a bad tongue, okay? And then in verse 7, it says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, just like we did for about 20 minutes here. Like with the same words, we can worship God with everything that we have. And then it goes on and says, but sometimes you fight with your spouse on the way to church before that. That sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, 
this is not right. So these 10 verses come right after James chapter 2, which we actually talked about last week. Pastor Noah Nickel from Cleveland was here, and he shared an awesome message. Man, wasn't that message so good? And the message was all about, okay, we have this faith, and our faith should change how we live. And then he immediately starts talking about the words that we say and the words that we experience. And so today, if you're taking notes, write down this message title that we're going to be talking about over the next few minutes, Our Words Matter. Our words, my words, your words, our words matter. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I'm so thankful that it's alive, it's active, that it speaks just as loud in 2019 as it did when it was originally written. And God, right now, we need your presence. We need you to speak. God, I, I pray that none of us walk out of here different than, than, than that, that we all walk out different than when we walked in. And God, right now, I do, I thank you for every dad, every granddad that's represented in this church, that's here right now, that's maybe not here. God, I thank you for the gifts of the fathers that are in our life. But I know that today, God, that maybe today's a hard day for some people in this room. Maybe their dad was absent or just not there, or no relationship at all, or maybe a broken relationship. Maybe that there's people where dad is no longer here. And today, which is a day that so many people are celebrating, today is a hard day, a day of grieving, of mourning. Maybe it hurts and maybe we miss him so much. And God, I just pray right now for those that are having a hard day today, I just pray that your presence be with them so real, so tangible. God, I pray that you give them peace that passes all their understanding. You give them comfort, like in a way that maybe they've never experienced comfort. And God, we recognize today on Father's Day that you are the best father that we could ever have. That regardless of our relationship with status with our dad, you are an amazing dad who's always there for us, who provides for us, who there's, there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from your love. And so God, we, we not only celebrate our earthly fathers, but today we celebrate our heavenly father. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through him that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. How many of you, by show of hands, let's just be honest, that your mouth has gotten you in, in trouble before. How many, just anybody? Some of you need to put both hands in the air because that's how many times that's happened. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like for me, it, it, it happens more times than what I'm proud of. But I, I say something and I instantly regret it. Like when I say something and it's almost like if I could just pause time and just rewind. If there's a rewind button on my life and my words where as soon as they come out, I can just rewind them and just kind of take them and put them right back in. You know, my dad calls that having a bad case of foot in mouth disease. And, uh, you know, like a, a few years ago, we were traveling and my oldest son, Jordan, he goes up to a total stranger, a total stranger. It was this, this very nice woman, goes up to her, total stranger, never met her before in her life and just confidently says, is there a baby in your tummy? Wait, it gets worse. Patting her stomach. Turns out, <laughs> wasn't pregnant. Um, this is an awkward moment. 
you know, one of those, like, as a parent, you're like, I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have any clue how to get out of this situation. I wish I was like a superhero that had the smoke and then I could just throw it down and then it clears and I'm gone. <laughs> Our words matter. Um, I was doing some study and I found a stat that said that one-fifth of our lives is spent talking. Some of you, it's way higher than that because that's an average. (laughs) And on average, a person will speak the equivalent of 66 books of 800 pages each. It's a lot of words. Our words are a big deal. Like, our words matter. And James chapter 3 talks a lot about our words. And so let me give you three reasons from James chapter 3 why our words matter so much. Here's number one. Our words are directional. Our words are directional. In other words, our words will take us places. James chapter 3 in verse 3, it says, Horses have bits and bridles in their mouth so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same way, the mighty ships... Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue, our words, our tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries such great power. And see, James uses this metaphorical language, and he gives these two metaphors with the same message that your words direct your life. And he first talks about the bit on a horse. So I don't know if you've ever watched horse racing. Maybe you've seen the Kentucky Derby. And when you watch a horse race, you'll see these huge, powerful, strong, fast, trained horses that weigh anywhere between 1,100 to 1,300 pounds, yet they are completely controlled by these 100-pound Keebler elves. (laughs) These little bitty men, these jockeys, that are on these horses. And so how? How do they control them? It's because they have this five-inch metal bit in their mouth that steers and controls these great big horses. And then James talks about the rudder on a ship. And see, a normal cruise ship today weighs anywhere between 20,000 to 60,000 tons. They're huge. But even today... These cruise ships are completely steered and controlled and led by a much smaller rudder. And so just like the bit directs the horse and just like the rudder directs the boat, your words direct your life. In other words, you will go where your words take you. So when your words are consistently negative and critical, Maybe they're sharp and harsh and cutting. When your words are just gossiping and crude and depressing, dishonoring. Maybe you just make fun of everything and everybody and you just throw shade anywhere that you can. I promise you, if that's the words that are coming out of your mouth, your life will be worse. Those type of words, talking that way, will take you places, trust me, that you don't want to go. But on the other hand, When your words are positive, when they're honoring and encouraging, when they're loving, when they're pure, when they're kind, when they're gentle, when your words are life-giving, where literally the words that come out of your mouth just breathe life into situations, 
I'm telling you, your life will be better. Those type of words will take you places. I promise that you want to go. That's why parents, listen, parents, it is so important, the words that we say to our kids. They matter so much because our words are directional in their lives. So like, even when we're upset, even when we're frustrated, even when they've done the same thing over and over and over again, even when you told them not to, it matters, the words. By the way, I'm preaching to me right now. I don't know if you notice that. I'm just talking to myself. Our words matter. Parents, our words matter because it directs their life. See, I get asked all the time, Pastor Brian, what is your favorite scripture? Like out of all the Bible, what's your favorite verse? And I'm telling you, that's really hard for me because the more I read this book, the more I love it. And the more I find something that I didn't find the time before, and when I, because it's alive, it's powerful, I love my Bible. It's really hard for me to say this one. And so I literally get really confused and I think through every single scripture and I, and I end up not knowing. But, so I don't know what my favorite is. But I can tell you hands down, without hesitation, what, what verse has practically made the biggest difference in my life that has literally transformed every single day in my life, and that's Ephesians 4.29. And it has to deal with our words. Because after all, that's a fifth of our life. So this has affected a fifth of my life since I read it. And so there was a season in my life where my words were kind of out of control. I was very negative. And I I wasn't life-giving. I was actually a vampire. I sucked the life out of everything that I was around because of my words. And I I was negative, critical, making fun of things, all this type stuff. And then I stumbled across this verse, and it changed my life because it, it so much didn't look like my world. And here... The Apostle Paul, he's writing to to the church in Ephesus, and he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And when I read that, I felt such conviction. I, I didn't feel condemnation. By the way, if you're here, I want you to know, in this church, you should never feel condemnation, ever. It's not from God, and so we're not gonna give it to you but I will unapologetically encourage you to lean into conviction because conviction is from God and it will lead you always towards positive change. And when I read this verse, I felt so much conviction because when I read this verse and I started learning and thinking about it and practicing it, I, like, I'm so stubborn I had to memorize it because I had to remind myself over and over again. And I started, once I memorized it, got into my heart, I started breaking it down. So it says, do not let any But wait, what if I'm just joking? Come on, you know like how it is at the water cooler sometimes. No, do not let any. Some of you, you don't even, you you have a problem with that. Like, you you don't like that. Listen, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. He wrote it, okay? (laughs) Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up. So the words that I speak should be building everybody up around me that when I talk to you, you should walk away feeling built up. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, that even when I'm talking, I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about you, and I'm thinking about your needs. I'm so focused, not on myself, but I'm focused on everything and aware of everything that's going on around me, that even my words, I'm gonna say things in a way that is for your benefit. 
Because it's your needs that I'm thinking about. So I'm going to not let any wholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And that one blew me away. Because that means if I'm talking to Andrew right here on the front row and you're all listening, that it should benefit your lives just hearing me talk to him. And I'm telling you, this changed my life. Because living this verse has taken me great places because our words are directional. But then number two, our words are are powerful. So our words are directional and our words are powerful. I need you to help me with this. Finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Liar. Whoever wrote that sits on a throne of lies, like he really does. It should be, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will definitely destroy me. Because I don't know about you, but some of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through, things that hurt the most, weren't sticks and stones, they were words. Because our words are powerful. And in James, in verse 5, it says, so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze, and the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of the human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can, be, that can burn throughout the course of human existence. And again, James uses this metaphoric language to compare our words to a fire. And in October 1871, Chicago experienced what's now known as the Great Chicago Fire. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this fire that happened in Chicago in the 1800s. For three days, this fire burned throughout the city. And when it was over, the fire destroyed, get this, more than 2,000 acres, 73 miles of roads, 120 miles of sidewalk, 2,000 lampposts, 17,500 buildings were affected by this fire. And at the time, $222 million of property damage, which now would be four to five billion dollars, happened because of this fire. And of the 300,000 inhabitants of the city, 100,000 were left homeless, one out of three. And to their best records, over 300 died. And all of that, all of that destruction, all of that, all of that fire was caused, get this, by one clumsy cow that knocked over a lantern in a barn. What? It caused that much damage. Listen, church, I don't think we fully understand the damage we could be causing because of our words. Because our words are incredibly powerful. In fact, in Proverbs 18, 21, the Bible says that the tongue, our words, can bring death or life. That's why somebody can say something to us and it affects us and destroys us for years. That's why somebody, even when we're a teenager, can say something like, you're a mistake, or I wish you were never born, or you're fat, or you're ugly, or you're a loser, or nobody likes you. 
you'll never amount to nothing. And it's amazing how words can carry so much weight in our lives. It's like if you've ever been told something like this, especially from somebody that was supposed to love you, that whenever you hear words like that, they have a way of just sticking to your soul. And it's so hard to be able to not let those things affect us. And I just want you to know that if anybody has said any of those things over your life, hear this, and I represent that person. Whoever said that statement, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That is not true. That is not what God says about you. And just know that there's a God that is crazy about you, that loves you, that made you just the way that you are, and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm so sorry if somebody spoke anything other than that over your life. Our words may be small, but they're disproportionately powerful, both for the bad, but here's the cool thing, and for the good. I'll prove it. Um, I'll prove it, how our words can, can be just as powerful in the good. Um, Anthony, my man, yeah, yeah, you. I want you to know, in front of all these people, you are an incredible dad on this Father's Day. I love watching how you lead your son. It's so amazing. It's inspiring to me as a dad. And I love seeing how God has put an anointing over you to be an amazing father. It's amazing. Um, Emily Schinkel, what's up, young lady? I just want you to know that you are a leader. That God made you that way. And here's what I know as somebody that God made me to be a leader. You cannot choose if you lead. You only choose how you lead. I just want you to know everywhere you go, you're a leader. In your job, you're a leader. Here, you're a leader. Everywhere you go in every relationship, you lead people to Jesus. I just want to tell you, thank you. You're amazing. Um, Danny, you back there? Can you raise your hand, Danny? I want to make sure that you're here. Raise it high so everybody can see you. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's you. Yeah, yeah. You're like me? Yeah, you. Um, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. I know you recently moved to this city, and you didn't know anybody. That takes so much gut, so much courage. I want you to know there's a church that's behind you cheering you on, is there for you every single step of the way, but I'm so proud of you for the courage. I, I love people with courage, and I see courage all over you. Uh, Jeremy Johnson, where you at? Jeremy, JJ all day, what's up? <laughs> I just want you to know I believe in you so much, man. I believe in you. I think that God has a special calling and anointing over your life. I just want you to know he's got, he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he's going to do big things, not only uh, later, but right now. I think he has you on your campus for a reason, to make a difference. And I just want you to know that I believe in you so much. Um, where's hope? It's hope. Hope. I want you to know, here's, here's something I want you to know. I want to look you in the eye and tell you this. You have what I call the light bulb gift. And people with the light bulb gift, I just see it in people. And when people have the light bulb gift, they get into a room and light it up. I just want you to know that you have that light bulb gift. Everywhere you go, you light up every room you're in. You feel that? You see how that shifts the room? You feel the life in the room? I've heard it said that encouragement is like oxygen for the soul. 
and what we just experienced together was a room full of people doing this. So let me encourage you, be a breath of fresh air every single place that you go because of the words that you speak. Practically, let me challenge. If you're in this room, encourage you this week for seven days in a row, encourage at least one person intentionally. Spend the time the next seven days, write it down, put a reminder in your phone. For the next seven days, find one person to encourage. Whether that's text somebody, maybe write a card, do the old school face-to-face, give somebody a phone call, maybe go public and give them a social media shout out. Whatever you do, just spend seven days and encourage at least one person and watch it make a difference in people's lives. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. So let that be your words this week. A life-giving fountain. And by the way, um, I felt this so strong in my heart that I felt like I had to say it. That since the beginning of our church, I've prayed every single day. Since the very first time that God spoke to me about this church, I've been praying every single day, including today, that our church would look like heaven. A unified church that's diverse racially, socioeconomically, and generationally. And so I want you to know that if you're in this room and you're 40 years and older, I want to talk specifically to you just for a second, because God put something on my heart for you if you're 40 years and older. See, I recognize that our church may be younger in age than other churches. If you look around, you'll see some people that are young. Some of them are faking. Some of them are just older. They just hide it very well. (laughs) But you look around and you'll see some younger people in our church. Now, let me tell you why that is such a big deal and why that's so important. Because if you study the spiritual stats of this city, you'll see that 33% of people that call Cincinnati home are unchurched. But when you dive into the different ages, you'll see that people that are 40 years and younger, 52% are unchurched. And of people that say that they attend church, only 9% are considered millennials, that 18 to 32. And so whenever you read that, I want you to understand that that is the future of our city. That is the future of the church, not just this church, but the church. And that's the legacy that we're going to be leaving behind. And the temptation is that if you fall on the wrong side of 40, is to believe a lie that you don't fit, that you don't belong, that you don't matter. And let me tell you, as the pastor of this church, it couldn't be further from the, from the truth. You are very significant to the future and the health of our church. We desperately need your leadership, your wisdom, your experience, your example, your maturity. And I challenge you, don't leave. Don't check out. And don't just be a consumer. Be a contributor. Go through GrowTrack. Start it today. Get on the dream team. Start making a difference. Be generous. Listen, God has a purpose for you here to be a charter foundational pillar for your generation in our church. So invite your friends, build the community of your generation and be a much needed spiritual mother and spiritual father or a spiritual grandmother or a spiritual grandfather to the next generation. Listen, go around. I give you full permission to go around, put your arm around the next generation and constantly say, I believe in you.
I'm so proud of you and call out the greatness that's inside of them. Listen, we need you. We need you. I'm going to get off that soapbox and go to point number three. I felt like I had to say that. I felt like that was from God. So our words are directional. Our words are powerful. And number three, our words are revealing. They're revealing. And when it goes to verse nine, James says, we use our tongue to praise God and our father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. And out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. And when I read that one, I can relate so much to that. It's like I can be here on a Sunday, and it's like, it's awesome, and I'm worshiping God. And then two hours after I get home, it is like venom is coming out of my mouth. So I relate. But my question is, how does that happen? Like, why does that happen? And how can you be at two such extremes? Well, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And the same story in Matthew's account, he puts it this way. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And in these verses, Jesus clearly says that our words are just a reflection of our heart. I recently heard a story of a guy who played golf with a pastor. And you know right there it's already dangerous. Because if you're a golfer, you don't always hit the shots that you want. But you always hit that one that keeps you coming back. And this guy was playing golf with his pastor, and he gets on the tee, and he just, I mean, he's having an awful day, and then it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, and he just shanks one off the tee. I mean, out of bounds, you know instantly when you hit it, you lost it, that type of hit, and he throws his clubs, starts dropping bombs left and right, and then realizes, I'm playing golf with my pastor. And so, one, it is always so funny whenever people find out what I do and they change how they talk. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm cool if you talk the way that, however, uh, it's good. I'm good with it. You just, you be you. Um, and, uh, and, and he goes, once he realizes all that happens, he says, he says, I'm so sorry, pastor. I've got a dirty mouth. He just confesses right there at the tea box. And the pastor replied, he said, no, 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 no. You don't have a dirty mouth. You have a dirty heart. Ooh. <laughs> Listen, whatever is in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. Whatever is in your heart will eventually come out in what you say. That really the words that we say are just a reflection of what's really in our heart. And so for you, if, if your words, if your heart is full of bitterness, if your heart is full of hurt and offense, and you've been hurt and you've just stuffed it, and you haven't dealt with it, and you haven't given it to God, and you haven't experienced freedom in that area, and you're just hurt and you're offended, it will come out in what you say. 
You'll find yourself negative, cynical, like not believing what people say because after all, you've been hurt. And then, you know, just to help, you'll end up just saying things that hurt other people because ultimately it's in your heart so you can't help but use your words to hurt other people. And you may just start making fun of things and throwing shade at anybody and everything that you can. And you're just sitting there because whatever in your heart will come out in your words. Maybe for you, it's, it's pride and in, insecurity, which really, all pride, it really just masks being insecure. And so because there's pride in your heart, when you get around people, you always got to be the center of attention. You always got to one-up people with your words. You always got to be the one that gets to laugh. You can never really celebrate other people or let somebody else get the attention. That You know, like the person that always has the story that one-ups every other story? It's those guys or girls. But if it's in there, it, it really will come out because maybe because there's pride or insecurity, it makes you feel better when, when you seem like you look better and other people look worse. Maybe for some of you, it is just perversion. And it's, it's not really the words that come out of your mouth, it's, it's your heart. And so there may be some jokes that you tell or things that you laugh at or that you should never ever say. And you're like, where, where did that come from? Well, it really is your heart. And let's just be honest. Is that maybe, for some of you, maybe there's racism. It's in your heart. Maybe there's, there's division, hate. I promise you, it will come out in your words. But here's the good news. As much as the bad things come out, the opposite is true as well. That if your heart is full of good things, if your heart is full of love, kindness, gentleness, if you have full of peace, if your heart is full of comfort, if you, have, if you have just so much life on the inside, it will come out in the words that you say. That because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, and, and it will come out in the things that you say, because your words are just a reflection of your heart. Let me put it this way. That the taming of your tongue, it begins with the taming of the heart. The taming of your tongue, it begins with the taming of your heart. It's not about changing your words and the outside. It's about, it's about letting God do something on the inside. Now here's the tension that I feel reading James chapter 3. So the whole thing is about him telling us to tame our tongues. But then he goes off in verse 8 and says, but no one can tame the tongue. <laughs> Does anybody feel tension with that like I do? I feel like the whole thing is about control your words. You know, they're so powerful. They're directional. They're, it's, you got to control your, tame the tongue. But then it says, by the way, you can't. You just can't. It's like, man, like I just, what are you doing, James. And I hear that, and I, like, I, I struggle with that. I have tension. And so I prayed about that this week, and I was like, God, you have to help me understand this. What do you mean by this? And see, I think James, 
is pointing us to the truth. That, and this truth is throughout the entire Bible. Cover to cover, you can find this truth that James is pointing out that in our own effort, you can't. In your own effort, you can't control your words. You may be able to for a little bit, but long term, you can't. In other words, that you can never fix yourself. That you and I need an outside source. You need someone else more powerful to do what you can't do. And here's how I think about it. If I could, I would have already, but I can't. So I need somebody else who can. And see that I believe this, this, this part where it says you can't do it. You should do it, but you can't do it. I think it actually points to Jesus and it points to the gospel because today's message is not fix your words. That would be the same as me saying, hey guys, this is what you need to do this week. You need to fix the outside. And if you see the message of Jesus, it's never fix the outside. It's always fix the inside. And then when you fix the inside, it'll affect your outside. But here's the deal, you can't fix yourself. You need Jesus. Because if you just fix the outside, that's temporary change. That would be behavior modification, not transformation. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus did something that we could never do and that we, through grace now, can experience lasting change from the inside out. Listen, Jesus doesn't just want your words. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, then he can do something with your words. I love this quote, and I'll end with this. Just like a horse needs a rider holding the reins, a ship needs a pilot at the rudder, so the tongue, our words, they need a Lord. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I don't want to miss this moment. I feel like this is one of the most important moments every single week where we just experience God through worship and we just experience God through his word. And now we don't want to miss this moment to let God speak to you. We asked him to do it at the beginning, so now let's give him a chance. So right there where you're sitting, I want to encourage you to ask God just in your heart, God, what are you saying to me today? What does my response need to be to this message? What's one way that I can practically live this out for some of you? Maybe it does have to do with your words. Maybe it does have to do with you saying, okay, I'm going to encourage people this week. I'm going to take that step. But for some of you, maybe your response needs to be with your heart. That before you change your words, you need to give God your heart. So maybe you're here and you feel so far from God, you need a fresh start. Maybe you've never made the decision to give him your heart. And what's cool is that every single service, every single week, we're going to give people the opportunity to make the decision to follow Jesus because we feel like it is the most important decision of your life. And so some of you, maybe you've made that decision in the past. You've given God your heart but maybe you've taken it back and you've went off and you've done your own thing and if you live life your own way or maybe you're here and you've never made that decision, we want to give you that opportunity. And we're not going to embarrass you, bring you up to the front. We're not going to do anything like that. 
I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And then if you want to be included in that prayer, I mean, this is a moment between you and God. That's why everybody's eyes are closed. But if you want to be included in that prayer, you want to make that decision. You need a fresh start. You need to give your heart to God today. If that's you, I want you to boldly on the count of three to raise your hand and just say, today, that's my step. That's what I need to do today. If that's you, one, two, three, just put it up high in the air. I got you. I got you. I got you. Anybody else? I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. That's awesome. So proud of you. Hands up. You can, you can put them down. Why don't you just right there in this moment, just as genuinely as you can, just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. Will you come live inside of me? Will you change me? Make me brand new. I surrender my heart to you right now. I surrender not just my heart, but my whole life. My heart, my words, my relationships, my future, my past, everything. I surrender my whole life to you. And today, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.